Trek program. It's time for action, Program complete. Listen when ready. Oh, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that's why I was like starting to transition into the other episode. I was like, oh, let's go right into the next one. I'm like, oh no, I didn't realize it was a separate separate recording session. <laughs> Sorry. No, yeah, <laughs> I don't I have to talk to our, our uh, marketing person about explaining that a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I will have a talk with him. Spin the chair around, Jeff. Have a talk it's, with him. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's me. Let's go. It's me. Oh, no, it was to- it was totally fine. I've just I, I was like, oh shoot, sorry, oops, ah, no big deal. No, no, that's because especially a lot of these episodes do kind of bleed into each other, and and it's weird how they get paired up sometimes. Yeah, these of, like, ones well, this are kind really, of yeah, yeah, it kind of feeds into the same theme, you know, of something. Mm-hmm. Plus, plus, you know, David forgets which one we're on anyway, so we we end up talking say, about them. It's too often where I'm talking about. They're like, next one, next one, that's the next one. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it fits right in. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Nerd Trick Podcast, everybody. Thank you for for joining us. I'm Jeff, and I'm here with David. Hey guys. And Phil. Hey everybody. And of course, more importantly, our guest is back with us. Welcome back, Jesse. Hello, Yay! thank you for having me again. Yay! Of course. I've been yeah. sitting here um, a whole week just waiting for you to call me back. You know, just yeah. like, well, they left me for a whole week. <laughs> There's like cobwebs on you. You haven't yeah. moved in a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what? Uh, no, uh, thanks for coming back and for, for talking Star Trek with us. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, awesome. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Let's do this at the beginning of this this episode before we die. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about DS9 Season 3, Episode 6, The Abandoned, original air date October 31st, 1994. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about Jesse and the project that you're working on with Aaron. This way, we're going to spice things up and, and, and change our format just, just a smidge. Wow. So what can you tell us about what you're working on? Yeah, I mean, I spoke about it a lot last episode uh, when we had me on, so uh, I'll just keep this one short and sweet, but I'm working on um, a short film called Identities. I say short, it's probably going to end up being 45 minutes. Um, for, uh, for a short film called Identities with Dr. Aaron McDonald, who many of your listeners probably know as the science advisor for Star Trek, but is also a wonderful producer and amazing creative um, uh, and creative partner to be working on this with. Um, and it's a science fiction film that is about, uh, you know, a near future dystopia that is about how we uh, understand our identities in a world that tries to define it for us. In this case, a sort of corporate world metaverse um where everyone sort of has to go and work for a sort of corporation that exists solely on the metaverse and that's the only place where we get to live and express ourselves and and understand ourselves so the story is about two um two new employees on that enter the metaverse and have to reckon with what it means to define themselves um in this world that doesn't allow them to be anything but other than an employee so it should be it should be a very fun movie that is very very much uh, overtly about a queer experience and a trans mm. experience, but is also one that I hope is connective with uh, everyone of every background about people who who need to fight to uh, to find self self expression and systems that don't allow us to do that. So yeah, I think it'll be uh, hopefully a very joyous and and um, uh, hopeful uh, project to be working on. So 
Very yeah, good. no, absolutely. It it sounds cool just from like hearing you talk about it, and then from what I've you know I've heard from Aaron, it just sounds like a really cool experience. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very pumped about it. It's been it's been it, for me it has been really cool because and and kind of a dream come true because I you know I went to film school, always wanted to do film stuff, and I have done some. I lived in LA for several years, um, and doing you know I worked at like different things, but I kind of fell more into the online content creator space, which is certainly using my filmmaking you know talents, but in a way mm-hmm. that I did not expect and love certainly but getting to do this is sort of like a realization of um a kind of dream for me to be like i'm directing a project with really cool actors and working with really cool crew members like aaron and you know our cast and 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 our crew um it's just sort of like you know today i was in a bunch of meetings and and had meetings about set design and stuff and it's like wow this is what it is it's it's a lot of meetings (laughs) but it's great and i and i love it so it's 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 fantastic so yeah i'm super pumped so that's awesome very cool that's it's that that makes me so joyous for like the inner film school nerd that's mm-hmm. inside me too i'm like yes it's just <laughs> you and a bunch of friends are going to make a movie and it's going to be awesome exactly i'm just it, it makes me feel like you know you know you know i doubt it'll ever be that successful but it makes me think of like you know those like you know your dreams you have as a film steward it's like i'm gonna be the next george lucas and i'm working on this project and it's all scrappy we're just you know put it together in a cave with a box <laughs> of scraps sort of thing um <laughs> and uh it's just it's just kind of it's just kind of uh fun and it's just fulfilling that dream and 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 i've already uh you know i've said this elsewhere to people but like no matter how this i hope this project comes out to be amazing and beautiful and people love it and you know it comes it becomes the next star wars you know i but i, I hope it ends up being meaningful to the people who watch it but for me it is already a very meaningful experience so you know even if i i never get to do this again hopefully it's the first of many i get to do um yeah. but even if i don't get to do it again like i'm just enjoying getting to do this thing and it's really 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 cool so awesome that's so that's exciting good yeah cool and it's going to be ex- uh, it's being funded and then it's going to exclusively yes, be yes. on I, I'm bad nebula at, right i'm bad at promotion the nebula people would come and like uh, <laughs> uh dave who's the ceo of nebula is a phenomenal guy who come and smack me uh be like promote promote the people are funny you damn it um <laughs> um but no no nebula is fantastic it is a it is a streaming service that is funding this whole thing that um not only just uh is funding projects like this but they help support uh, me and a bunch of other fellow youtube creators um in a youtube space that is not very kind to creators often uh especially mm. of marginalized backgrounds and especially of like the you know certain sizes that don't necessarily get all the attention the mr beasts of youtube or whatever um so yeah it's a it's a really great uh company a really good organization that really supports people and and is supporting doing this like quite literally just to tell the story in brief aaron and i were going to be doing a kickstarter to fund this film and i mentioned it to the ceo of nebula um and he's just like well, why don't we do it i'm like i'm like what it's like we're two days from starting kickstarter he's just like oh yeah we'll fund it we'll do it for you i'm like okay <laughs> so it's a right. very wild thing um so yeah no um please support nebula because it supports me it supports a good company and 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 we'll get you access to the film when it comes out uh hopefully early next year so that's awesome cool. Do it. Do it, people. I, I will peer pressure you into doing it. <laughs> peer pressure the show, somebody. Absolutely. I'm not above that. Come on. Yeah. And if you're looking for other, by the way, I'll promote this just because it's, it's, I think it's cool. Uh, sure. If you like uh, other cool stuff on Nebula, uh, there's a, a film on there that they also funded called The Prince, which is a, a queer play that was written by a trans woman, Abigail Thorne, who's another YouTuber known as Philosophy Tube. And the play is quite literally, if you like metaverse stuff, like Into the Spider-Verse, the play is quite literally... Uh, a uh what if two trans people got caught in a multiverse of shakespeare plays um and it is a it is it is a fascinating 
it's a fascinating piece. And so I, I had no connection to that. I'm just promoting it because I, th- I saw it recently. It's awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's cool. interesting, especially yeah. if you kind of go back to like how, you know, because only men could could be actors, so men had to play all mm-hmm. the women's the roles in Shakespeare. And, is... and you're like, that's like a whole other level of shit, of like stuff going on too. That is, I mean, honestly, I watched that thing, and, and it's like it's a very different. It's one of those weird things where I, I um, you, you just tend to see if certain people from certain backgrounds, I think, tend to like wrestle with the same themes, um, quite often, uh, for for various different reasons. And so I see a lot of like whenever I look at art by trans women, not to say that trans women art is only this or can only be this, but mm-hmm. I do often see like a lot of trans uh, women art being kind of about that like finding identity in systems that didn't necessarily let you be seen there before. So like mm-hmm. Shakespeare uh, being like this thing that only had men in it. And that whole, her whole play is literally about like two trans women, like not really having a place. And so can sort of like self-realize that they're not supposed to be here and like helping other people realize that too. My short mm-hmm. film is kind of about that, but in a corporate environment and less Shakespeare environment, cause I'm a sci-fi nerd. Um, <laughs> even if you look at something like the matrix as a, as a piece made by two trans women, it's kind of the same thing. A person coming to realize they're in a system that doesn't allow them to realize their full self and full potential. It's a, it's a, it's just like interesting sort of common themes you see, you see coming up. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's going to be cool. I, I can't yeah. wait to just, just, well, to, to see your project. And then I, cause I had never heard of Nebula, but now I'm going to like, I'm, I'm gonna have to go find it and see what else is on there. That it's cool. a, they, have, they have fun stuff. Like I said, I I I, I know it's somewhat self-promoting because they have stuff on there, but they do. They have that play on there. They have a show called Jet Lag, which is like a game show where people have to like they basically make a board game out of like a country where it's like all right, it's kind of like the Amazing Race, but like you have to do like different task stuff, and it's kind of a, a fun time and, and kind of more uh, educational way to do it too, because they try and teach about the different places they go. So yeah, it's it's a it's a really great I think educational and and fun platform. So and I say that I say that as someone who is uh, on it like enjoying its content before i was technically on it so yeah nice right on cool all right like so that. some good stuff coming out yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all right let's get into the meat of star trek uh yes. so you know the meat. abandoned <laughs> yes um so weird gamma quad so that was a whole i, should, I shouldn't say sorry. let's get into the meat I'm sorry, what? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, God, no, please don't. We have the sense of humor of don't like 13 boys, so don't <laughs> don't apologize, please. Yeah, because someone, as someone who was seen as a 13 year old boy, I know that humor too. <laughs> oh yeah, well, because like David and I are gonna go to the restaurant BJ's after this, and and David was like, hey, let's uh, so BJ's, and I was like, yeah, let's BJ's, and I and I, I giggled like a little schoolboy. <laughs> it's hilarious. So I can't help it. Um. Okay, so uh, Cork stumbles upon an abandoned baby. Uh, it grows really fast, and it's a gem Hadar. Um, and so surprise, Odo, <laughs> surprise. Uh, so Odo kind of takes him under his wing, and um, uh, so we get to learn a little bit about that uh, and the founders. Um, also, uh, apparently Jake is being molested yeah, by is. by a much older woman. I don't. That's a whole <laughs> weird plot line. Um, it's one of those like uh well we'll talk about it so yeah so um (laughs) you know what let's start with that let's start with jake um this is a very (laughs) 90s take on like oh he's dating an older woman and like she is a woman Mm -hmm. like not like a school like you know a a, a girl of of equal age um it's it's just it's the weirdest plot line it's so weird (laughs) it's one of those it's one of those like if it wasn't 
if there wasn't an age difference, this would have been, I think this would be a really, really great depiction of like uh, a father in Cisco, like having to come to accept that his kid's growing older and going to date mm -hmm. people. It's just that the age difference is there. And it's like, it, it's the thing where like people didn't recognize I mean, they didn't recognize in a lot of ways, uh, but they didn't recognize, especially for like young men that like it's still like a lot of people recognize that it's inappropriate for an older uh, man to date a younger woman of, of that age. But they don't see the same thing for reverse, where it's like we sort of see men as more uh, like more adult uh, early and, and like they can't be sexually uh not like romantically sexually whatever you want to call it uh hurt by an older woman it's just like mm -hmm. oh that's okay and acceptable and 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 something to be uh, aspired to in some cases um which is is kind of gross and something that there's a lot of implicit assumptions especially during the 90s yeah. and and to make the seem a little less creepy um <laughs> in in reality she's only about it she's only about <laughs> a year and a half older than Sorak is okay that's good at least. even though okay. she doesn't look like it yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she looks like, yeah, she looks more mature. Yeah, she looks like I, she's like college age, like early 20s kind of thing. And he looks well, like he's 12. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Well, what's, but, what's the age difference in universe? I'm curious. What do they say? 16 and 20, I think they what's said. Just, yeah, which is, yeah, yeah it's very yeah. like. Ugh. Yeah. Well, but I mean, Sirak is, I mean, he's like six foot five or six, six. He, he's a big guy. So especially as Jake growing up, I mean, he's just a big kid. He's probably, yeah. I, I think he's taller than like Avery Brooks at this point or mm. pretty close. Um, it also has something to talk about too. It's like something probably none of us can really articulate super well and not for us, but it's like always how we like um, see black men as more mature before uh, we see like young white boys as well. Um, and sort of m like sort of masculinizing black men a lot too earlier. So yeah. Well, mm. dude, yeah. Me at 16, I, I was a fucking idiot. I with two left feet. Yeah. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I well, I still am in in so many ways, um, <laughs> but I can't imagine dating a twenty year old woman when mm -hmm. I was sixteen. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, but it is interesting how, yeah, of course, if it's that classic like, oh, the like teacher seduces a, a kid, and, and you're like, oh, yeah. good job, guy, you know. But mm -hmm. if it was a man and a woman, you know, flipped, it, it would be a whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 about how we see men as like always should be desiring sex and like attaining a woman as a and and not like recognizing that like. Of men sort of having to like understand uh like still like still having the chance to mature and grow into their own self-identity before like engaging in that stuff and like sexualizing kids younger it's like we don't we don't see that for young men um whereas like women we will we will sexualize young women but we won't like we won't like we see them as like something to be protected and something to be um sort of defended against you know and it's it's, it's this constant thing of like not understanding that young men um you also need to grow up too, and just our cultures like sexualizing, yeah. allowing men to, allowing men to like be seen as constantly wanting and should be seeking sex, and it's like a, it's something to be attaining even at a young age, which is gross. It's all gross. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it's such a weird thing, but I, but I I I like the part of the storyline though where it's where where Cisco is like, my kid's growing up, like oh he writes poetry and he plays a dom jot, and it's mm -hmm. like he's not yeah. a kid anymore. He is growing up. Yeah, that's why, like, if it, if it was, like, they were the same age in universe, it would have been mm -hmm. a great story about Cisco ha being a father and wrestling with that. Because that stuff's all great. Yeah, so. yeah. It's funny, because whenever they mention Tom Jot, I, I always think of that TNG episode where mm. with the uh, Nausicans. Nausicans, yeah. yeah. Picard gets stabbed. Tom Jot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like, Tom yeah. Jot, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's always yeah. my picture. <laughs>
Um, I do, I do like it. I do like seeing this. This is just another thing that just made uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine so different than uh, Next Generation because it was the typical with Picard. is like, I don't like kids, and here it's like you actually get to see Cisco wrestling with being a father and a career man at the same time, like the things that he's missed in his son's yeah. life because he's been focused on his career and like not being aware, but also showing up and being there for his kid. You know that constant thing of like they talked about with um. You know, Cisco, when Avery Brooks signed on, he was always very clear about we need more depictions of black fatherhood where like the father is showing up because a lot of depictions in media were mm -hmm. like, oh, the being not being there or being that a bad being, father. Yeah. And so like him, like getting getting to show a depiction of a, a black man being like still struggling as a father and still trying to figure out, especially as a single father, too. Oh, yeah, that's um, hard. And 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 so I'm struggling with that. But like coming to accept uh like and, and exceeding in that role and doing a good yeah. job in that role like being like tell me about my son that one scene he has that wonderful scene he has with her and being like tell me about yeah. my son what am i what do i need to learn what am i missing on this side of his life um so i think that that element of it sans the age difference i think is uh is is important still to this day but i think very important about deep space nine especially at the time it was written so yeah yeah no, absolutely. Well, yeah, and and being the father of a of a thirteen year old girl, um, it's you learn so much about like, oh, you talk about this with your friends, and you're like, what am I missing? Like, because you mm -hmm. go from being the like, I see you all the time, to you're with your friends, and it's like, okay, what what am I missing? What mm -hmm. what changes in your personality are are happening that are going to be part of you, you know, forever mm -hmm. or just for now? Or it's it's such a weird, confusing time for us all. It yeah, is. and I expect too, it's like you don't want to miss that too, because it's like the things that's like this part that uh they are getting to show just now that won't be there their entire life. You like are going to be like if you don't if I don't get to see it now, then I will miss it at some point, I'm sure. It's part of yeah. the experience. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, which is interesting too, because then it kind of ties into Odo and his storyline. He's kind of being a father figure to this uh fast growing baby. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and dealing with a lot of weird shit and drug addiction uh, and and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so basically we learn that the Gem Gem Hadar are like genetically engineered. They they it's they're just like a, a killing soldier force. Mm -hmm. They they grow within a matter of days or weeks, and then to be fighting soldiers. Um, and but also the founders make them addicted to a drug to, to have control over them. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're missing a key enzyme that they need and the founders are the only ones that can provide it to them. So right. it's, a, it's, a nice, it's a nice control tactic when you're genetically engineering a battle force. Mm -hmm. Right. Kind of hard to rise up against somebody when you can't go more than a couple of days without the it white. Is something they didn't specify in it, but it's kind of implied. It's not too hard to make that leap. Yeah. And mm -hmm. as we get, and as we get uh, further into the season, we'll learn more about it, the white and how they use it to control the Jim Hadar and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there was, and, and this is a very nitpicky, just me thing. So, uh, shut Are up, you David. nitpicky? What? No, no. When, when they put that pump in, I'm sorry, into Jeff, him, just accept it. Whatever it is, just accept I, it. No, that's, that's, that's what I say to you. You'll never be. You'll never. People be dated, nitpicking Jeff. Star Trek. What? Yeah, how how could that. everyone do anyone do that? I've never heard of that. <laughs> no, so there's that when they put that pump in his chest to start giving him. Uh, Ah, the white um there was like air bubbles and it was bothering me because air bubbles, air bubbles are in, a no -no. <laughs> and and like niv line is not good that will kill you and it was bothering me as a nurse and i'm like 
there shouldn't be air bubbles in there, and it was really bothering me. Like you don't oh, know how Jem'Hadar physiology works, all right? Maybe air That's bubbles fine. is part of it. All right? Julian, Julian's You're being just very like, speciesist yeah. right now. Don't so take their right. side. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst thing could happen. I don't like it, Jeff. We found your binars. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's my binars. It's the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah, <laughs> fine. There's two okay. types. Of, there's two types of Star Trek nerds: the ones who nitpick and the ones who try to make the nitpicks work. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Okay, You're I'm gonna wrong. let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's I'm giving that's you funny. shit. It's fun. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> um. Yeah, but this was interesting, and especially just to see that character's because he he doesn't even have a name. Uh, he's yeah. just like I'm just a soldier. Um, All of a sudden, he grows up and he's angry. Well, I also <laughs> like, like yeah. I also like um, uh, the first one of the first scenes that we see in this in this episode because it kind of like showcases what Odo's wrestling with first, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was just such a smart way to write this because one of the first scenes that we have before we even learn about the Gem Hadar is we get to see Odo getting his own quarters. So it's mm-hmm. the first time it's starting to be him getting his own identity separate from like how he was like told to exist and like getting his own uh, a sense of personality and his own uh, sense of self beyond what he's just been his whole life, which is just like, be, be this guy who is the, the constable, you know? Yeah. And we get to see that represented uh, symbolically with uh, his goo bucket, the one that he lived in. Cause <laughs> yeah. he literally go, cause he used to sleep in the goo bucket. And it, it was kind of like this yeah. symbol of like how this thing he was kind of like shamefully had to live in um because of of who he was and how the world the bajor wasn't there to accommodate him as a as a as a as a being and now because he's starting to like get to express himself a little bit more separate from like the system that he was born into he uh is able to like he says i like get to like exist where like i get to live outside of the goo pot now and he (laughs) recontextualizes the goo pot as a um as a symbol of his uh, friendships with Kira, like he puts the flowers in it. So it's like him being like this thing that was like kind of a shameful, oppressive thing to me has now become a symbol of like caring and the connections that I've made. And so like that's what shows where Odo is in that scene. And I think a really subtle and smart way to then like him trying to teach that to the Gem Hadar the whole episode about being yeah. like, you do not be need to be defined by the way that people have told you to be. And the Gem Hadar having kind of like being being so controlled by the founders and being like so in even before he's born, like kind of indoctrinated into that mindset, uh, mm-hmm. can't really escape that yet. Doesn't have the tools to do that. Right. Yeah. I think one of my favorite lines is just where where he's showing Kira around his quarters. He's like, I don't have to be in my bucket. I can just be a puddle anywhere and mm-hmm. it's my space and no one cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to like exist for yourself uh, outside of like the way that people will view you. And that I love how that get com- gets complicated later with Odo um, and how like people still like, you know, without spoiling, there's an episode in like season seven that's like talks about people still like feeling him feeling shame about showing like a little his changelingness in front of others, which I thought was good. Mm. Um, that kind of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, now, well, now, he, now he gets to be like, I do what I want to in my room. Yeah. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> but it also is like, it's still kind of like if you, uh, one of the, this isn't the only way you can read the changes, but I always find it interesting to look at changes through like a queer lens about like, oh, it's okay that you're, you can be gay, just not in front of the rest of us. You know, it's like, he's yeah. like, feels like I, it's like people will accept me if I do it in my room, you know, rather yeah, than getting to be yourself. Publicly. Yeah, exactly. Right. But it's still, but it is still for him. It is a step forward. Um, but it is not fully ex- full acceptance yet, but it is a step forward. And it's one that he is, he, he is, is getting a chance to share joy in that step forward. So, yeah, no, absolutely. 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, and just dealing with this kid is, um, I think it shows so much just about where, what you know, kind of like what we were talking about in the last episode with the Cardassians, how the the changelings were were wronged, and now they're they're, they're becoming the fascists. They're they're becoming these like overlords, um, because they don't want to be taken advantage of again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so now they're doing it like they're just growing this whole species. Like, I, are are the gem gem Hadar were they ever a normal species, or did the founders just like make them? Do we get more information on that? I don't remember if we ever ever even do. Do we? Yeah, we'll get a little bit more about like the why and the how. I remember we get more about the Vorta's history and the, yeah, later, and, later and on. The Vorta. But I don't remember the Jem'Hadar's initial history. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because that that's crazy just to think that they just created this entire species just to basically be their like you know the enforcers, um, and mm-hmm. what all goes into that. So that's that's crazy too. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you're just breeding a slave force. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. go fight, go fight and die for us, so we don't have to die. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a, it's like the the I think I think the metaphor I used in our last because I brought this episode up in the last episode. It's like the way I kind of think again, not a perfect metaphor, but one that I think you can kind of put on them is just like how a lot of like um, fascist regimes regimes will sort of radicalize young people in their society um, mm. that it will gleefully use to fuel their sort of fascism. Um, but we'll also view them as disposable. So you have quite literally Mm -hmm. neo-Nazi groups in in America today that are like stoked by like, you know, anti-queer, anti-trans, anti, you know, black, anti, you know, all these sort of like these uh, very uh, racist or homophobic, xenophobic um, rhetorics. Um, So they're all radicalized by that. Um, But then uh, we'll then go out and like do horrible things um, but then the fascist and fascism will gladly like stoke that, but won't actually care about them as people. It's just like, we'll, we'll send your, you to go die for us, but we don't actually care about you. Yeah. We could get yeah. two shits about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's such a weird, I mean, and this is, I think what we had been kind of teasing a little bit is that um, the dominion is in the background through, I mean, through the rest of mm-hmm. DS9. And while this doesn't deal directly as far as like a conflict, but I mean, it, but we get a tidbit, we get some more information to kind of about character development and where, um, and kind of the, the hierarchy of it and what, well, yeah. Like and how an, it works. Yeah. And an, and an adversary, like they're building the dominion up to be, if mm-hmm. they just come and they kick your ass all the time, it gets mm-hmm. to be a really old adversary. There's no interest there anymore. It's like, okay, they're going to come. They're going to beat the crap out of us. Yeah. And we're just going to lose and lose. It's like it there's was, there's nothing behind it. There's no. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of one of those problems that Star Trek sometimes gets into. Uh, it did. It's, it kind of does the same thing with the Borg uh, right. that where it's like they create this such a big threat that that they have to like kind of tone it back a little bit just to like make them like deal withable. So like the first time you meet <laughs> the Dominion, I think it was at the end of what season two. Where it's like the Jem'Hadar mm-hmm. is like, we're teleporting from like so far away that you can't even detect the ship that we're teleporting from. I and mean, we can teleport through your shields. And it's like, technically, if that were possible, uh, like the Federation would just be screwed. There like, wouldn't just, be much like, of a just, war. Just, yeah. yeah, just like transporting a bomb. You can't detect our ships because they're so far away. We teleport in a bomb. You're all dead. So it's like there's a little bit of like a slight retconning of like they're dangerous, but they're not 
just a little less than we said we may have gone we may have gone a bit far the borg the borg are kind of the same thing like the the weekend yeah. of the borg a little bit they definitely toned them down a couple of notches just to be mm-hmm. like okay mm-hmm. we get it <laughs> <laughs> right well because yeah because you can't have a villain or the adversary that's completely unbeatable there has to be something there to you know, yeah. like fight against or, or have a storyline yeah mm-hmm. otherwise it's like what's the point mm-hmm. yeah exactly some the level of hope yeah well especially as you know star trek is not i mean i know they obviously have space battles but that's not all space battles you know they, mm-hmm. they, they there yeah. is more character there's more nuance to it mm-hmm. it's not like it's star wars crap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking to see. God, who, who could He's love not. those movies? Jeez, no, it's terrible. terrible. Uh, is someone is someone who is for my video essay for my uh my video essay YouTube channel is currently writing a four hour Star Wars video. Uh, it's a Shit. it's a long video. It's a video about the political incoherence of Star Wars. But that's a different discussion for a different day. But I I like Star Wars <laughs> quite a lot. But. Oh boy, <laughs> it's yeah. messy. There is messy politically. Coherence, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can admit it. It's not perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting, it's an interesting story, but it's 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 incoherent at times. But anyways, that's sure. a sidetrack. Getting on Star Wars, <laughs> you want to set the internet aflame, start talking Star Wars opinions. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a separate sure. podcast. That's a whole yeah. thing. Yeah, you're not yeah. lying. Yeah. Um, David, what's your your take on this one? It's very interesting at watching Odo be kind of a a father figure Mm. and to a degree, he's obviously able to sympathize, but also his inability to be objective because everybody is like, really, you're going to let him stay in your quarters and like, really, he could be this this thing. And it's the people around him aren't like, oh, he's definitely going to kill you. They're like, but you have to admit he's dangerous. It's that nature versus nurture argument. The, the nature is still there. The nurture can override it, but it's not good to be <laughs> dumb about it. You got to be smart about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting to see both sides too, because at the same time, like everybody else was like, oh, we need to, we need to confine him. We need to quarantine him. We need to make sure that we're protected from him. And the first thing that Odo did was like, well, what do you want to do? What's your mm-hmm. desire? What is it you actually want to do? Everybody's telling you to do things, but what do you want? And he's like, well, I want to find out about my people. And he's like, all right. And then, yeah, when he has the aggression, the the look that Kira gives him when she walks into the hollow suite yeah. and he's beating the <laughs> snot out of invisible people. And I'm like, no, I get that. Like, he's angry and he's got that that urge and getting it out might help, but at the same time might surface those feelings that he that people would rather he represses. So it's... It, I did. I liked this one. It's very complex. It's very interesting. Um, I'm going to give this about an eight, eight and a half. I think I liked this 8.5 on the scale because okay. uh, it is being able to see that side of Odo too, who never has needed to care for anything. As far as we can tell, other than the fact that he's like the, the daddy of the, the space station as the security chief, he just like, he had, doesn't have a pet. He doesn't keep care for anything. And, and, <laughs> I'm a little surprised they didn't give him one because as as Data had Spot, that was always one of his biggest things. And Odo is n- obviously different than Data, but he is kind of the show's stand-in. You know, you had Spock in one, you had Data in another. He's the yeah. He's mostly emotionless. He's learning about humans. Yeah, yeah, the mostly emotionless outsider trying to kind of learn and maybe be a bit more like humanity, maybe. 
like yeah. <laughs> weighing well, pros I, uh, and cons. With with what I like about Deuce's Nines, they're all outsiders, right? And I always like Odo is not emotionless. Odo is always like there's an episode. I don't want to spoil the episode, but later on there's an episode where Odo says. Um, I feel emotions just as much as everyone else, but I sometimes don't express it in the way that everyone else understands, which is like autistic uh, feelings a lot. Like autistic people, a stigma against autistic people is that they don't express emotions, but -hmm. it's like, no, they just do emotions uh, in ways that they express emotions differently than people usually understand. So like Odo Mm -hmm. is such, I think like, uh, I think what Deep Space Nine is so great about is like every single character in the series is an outsider in some way. Like, they're not the competent officers of Starfleet, you know, the flagship, you know. Cisco's yeah. a bit of a weirdo in terms of Starfleet. Kira's a bit of a weirdo in terms of Bajorans, you know. They're all weirdos. And, and Odo, <laughs> being, Odo being that as well. And, um, and like, trying to impart his wisdom onto, onto uh, Gemma Hadar, who's also, like, kind of struggling with the same thing he's is, like, being cut off from his culture and not... And, and Odo kind of having to realize um, that his culture as a as a founder is like one of fascism and he's like trying to wrestle with that about like who am i separate from from understanding that that's horrible and he's been able to do it by the connections that he made with like people like kira um and and like being able to find that sense of identity through those whereas this jim hadar doesn't really have that and he only has he only has his connection to when he sees like the jim hadar he's like those are my people but all they are are just um, uh, they they he's just showing aggression and fighting. It's like he doesn't really have a tie to anything that feels like it could. He doesn't have a depiction for himself separate from that. And it's often like what I talk about, like mm-hmm. if we're going to continue out that like like radicalization, like a metaphor that I was talking about, um, where it's like you you see a lot of like young men often who are radicalized into like neo-Nazi groups, they don't get to like really see a version of like manhood and masculinity that is like nurturing or caring. They only really ever like see depictions of like strong manly men who have to like defend others and beat up the beat up people. And yeah, and the they anger. don't really ever get to see like kindness, caring, warmth. Um, yeah. and, even and, even and just more like. than that, it reminds me a lot of Worf in TNG mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. his idea of being a Klingon is mostly stereotypical until we yes. see him... Yeah. Be around other Klingons. Now, did were they nurturing? Not necessarily, but at least he gets to see like this is your actual culture. It's not just these stereotypes. Here's how this culture works, and and the much rich history that goes to that. And, and that was interesting and, to watch. And the and the distinction between Worf and Worf and the Klingons and the Jem'Hadar. That's a perfect analogy. But the difference would be the Klingons get to have their own culture for themselves, where the Jem'Hadar's only culture is one controlled by the the changelings. Yeah. Uh, so the, mm, yeah. the the gem the culture of the Jem Hadar is one that is ultimately there to support fascism, whereas Worf's culture as a Klingon is its own culture for in and of itself, which is a sort of different thing. So it's it's a similar thing, but the difference in the way that Worf is able to like represent positive things, um, mm. even 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 in his own bullshit that he deals with with masculinity because he does <laughs> still deal with that. Um, <laughs> He is, he is, it is, it is something that it gets to express itself in a lot of nuance and a lot of depth to Klingon culture where Jim Hadar don't have a lot of nuance and depth to their culture because it has been specifically taken away from the Jim Hadar. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they just fit this, this one role. Like that's all mm-hmm. they're used for. Mm-hmm. That's all they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and cause then I kind of wonder too, if Odo had more time. Because, you know, basically this this kid is a couple weeks old, like at most. Um, if Odo did have more time to kind of educate him and, like, give him better examples, like, would it have gone somewhere? Or, 
Um, was it just a lost cause because of all these genetic implants and coding and the drug and everything else that like this kid was, you know, screwed from the start. That would have been a very interesting long, like long-term story to kind of see where that, that went. They did actually mm-hmm. do explore that in, um, I'll, I'll try and keep this so I don't spoil for David, but there is a there is a <laughs> just spoil post... it. Everybody spoils everything. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a yeah. post Deep Space Nine book series. Like there's a post the Dominion like post uh post Deep Space Nine. I won't say the thing. Post Deep Space Nine yeah. storyline um that the books I know there's do. A Dominion War coming. Just so. oh, okay, then there you go. <laughs> <But they're, laughs> post, post that there's uh, a storyline that's contained in the books where Odo does get a gem Hadar sent back to Deep Space Nine to try to learn what it's like to live outside of that culture and that's it talks mm. about those sort of things and and i even separate from those and those books are really good um i would even i i would like to hope that see this is where that metaphor that i was talking about i think i think it's dang, it's one of those problems when you extend it into science fiction it can be problematic to a degree because the idea that it's like hard-coded into his dna mm-hmm. um is is gets into like eugenics stuff of of like of like oh these people are more prone to aggression which can get into like racialization stuff and everything like that which can lean into like problematic stereotypes um so the way i always like to look at the gemitar is like through cultural control rather than like through genetics and if we look at it through the lens of cultural control one one would one would hope then that it would have been possible to sort of de-radicalize that gemitar um and and allow him to to find something he just needed more time and more uh more uh, representations of what he could be um that he wasn't given time specifically because of the distrust of the federation too which is like he right. runs away because the federation's like well that we see them as enemies and and sort of like push him away and so he runs away yeah, yeah. no that's true you know yeah. it's funny um kind of talking about this because it's one of my favorite movies um is um, which actually has Avery Brooks in it is as American History X, mm, um, yeah, yeah. which is a fantastic film. It's really hard to watch, um, but it's such a good film. Um, just kind of about that, like neo-Nazi and how kids are brought up in that and how you're radicalized and like mm. how you're just taught like, oh, this is us. You know, it's us versus them. And, mm-hmm. and which is kind of with the, the same plot lines in this where, He's like, oh well, these are my people, and I have to support them, and 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 everyone else is is my enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, go watch that that film. That's a whole. It's, other it's thing a it's itself. a great film because yeah, it's that's a much darker film, a much more direct film. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 wrestling with the same things about like how do men uh, break out of that radicalization cycle of having dehumanized other people so much and be angry and, and, you know, uh, oppressive in a lot of ways, how do they break out of that? And how do they stop that cycle constantly? Um, it's a, it's a, it, it's wrestling with the kind of the same themes as here though. American history X is a much, much more direct and, and oh, yeah. depiction of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I, well, and, and that was the other uh, nineties when it came out, it, it, it's just as relevant now. Mm-hmm. Sadly, no, certainly. Yeah, potentially even more relevant. Sadly, yeah, right. Um, so let's see. Um, Odo does turn into well, he turns into goo, <laughs> sort of, kind of, <laughs> kind of. Um, he has a whole blasted in him, kind of. But we can count it. Let's count it, cause, cause we can. Yeah. Whole blasted Odo. Yeah. <laughs> should, we, should we say he goes T1000? There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm okay with that. Not wrong. So let's count that as one. I don't think anyone dies in this one. Um, 
and there's no Frankie shenanigans because he just tries to buy some scrap. Yeah, um, I was gonna and say he it's gets a, a little umox at the bar. Um, gets a little umox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That barely that counts as shenanigans for in public. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think they make clear that umoxing is technically like masturbation, right? I feel like there's a later episode. It's either hap- I don't forget what episode it is, but I think it's clear that that's masturbation. It's like, what are you doing in the middle? It's like you're roping him in the middle of this bar. Right, you're in the middle of the bar. <laughs> don't Damn. don't don't kink shame. Come on. Uh, okay, I'm not. I am not kink. I am not kink shaming whatsoever. I'm just don't sort worry. of like uh, it was like public. Like, geez, and and like I'm not shaming, but just like. Yeah. Other people consenting if you created a space where that is acceptable. No, <laughs> no, yeah, that's, can... yeah. Safe they spaces, would... everybody. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Go to a hollow suite just like everyone else. Yeah, and do it there. or like make it at least make like this is the kink room. You know, here are the rooms. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> David, take you your old man pills. So much money. Yeah. yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, David, take take your old man pills. That's that's your alert <laughs> really, for that. Really, what I'm saying is we need an episode where Quark like learns the ins and outs of like consent culture and BDSM. Is really, I think the I think what we need. <laughs> Just watch a piece of his soul die. <laughs> <laughs> DS9 after dark. Yeah, exactly. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I, see, I'm surprised he's not open 24 hours because he's like, oh, you know, midnight. Let's uh, this is when my like yeah, kink bar opens up. Yeah, it's space. You think it's just like what, what what clock are we working on here? You know, people coming from all over. Why are you closing? Right, exactly. I don't know. That's just it's like, him and his brother running it too. There's no overhead cost for that, like to to yeah. get yeah. it. And whatever and whatever he has to pay the Dabo girls. Yeah. yeah but that's what I mean, is the, the leave the Dabo girl part out of it. Just leave it. It reminds me of like when I get to an airport, uh <laughs> where I like I get to an airport and it's like, Oh, I'm gonna get some dinner and it's like late at the airport and all the like restaurants are closed. I'm like, What the hell? You're an airport. People are flying all the time. Oh, have a damn restaurant open so I can get some food. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're on airport time. That it's it's yeah. okay to have a beer at like nine a.m. Or you can have yeah. dinner at two in the morning. Yeah. No, I made that mistake. I, the reason I'm bitter about it is I flew out of uh, Seattle's airport a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I'll have, just have dinner at the airport. I'll I'll do that because I like those bars that I get there a little early and I'll just eat there. Yeah. Um, and then I get there and they're all freaking <laughs> closed. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? You know, <laughs> it's nine o'clock. That's not that <laughs> late. Like, what is dinner. This? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's still early. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought nine o'clock would be fine. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> all closed. And it's it's a late dinner, but it's yeah. certainly not not outside the realm of ridiculous. Come on, SeaTac, that's bullshit. Anyways, right. anyways, <laughs> I've ranted about my personal grievances with the SeaTac airport schedule. Now, let's we can get back to Star Trek. Damn them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, what's our uh, Odo change count up to now? All right. So Odo has changed into. <gasps> Go. <laughs> <laughs> a rat, a chair, some shit in a bucket twice, food cart, painting, a drinking glass, some assorted goo, a container pad, a tripwire, a serving cart, a top that Phil had as a child, Mr. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, some splatter on a wall, a vulture, a key hand. He did the full blendy. He did a backpack <laughs> grenade, and he now took a T-1000 gunshot. <laughs> Solid. I dig it. All good. <laughs> All good. Um, yeah, so basically this one ends with... Uh, he wants to go off and find his people and Odo's like, okay, I'll take you. And then comes back and, and, and I love Cisco in this, in that he's like, he's, he's ready to like use force to stop this. But then he also trusts Odo. He trusts his people to be like, yeah. okay, you got this. You're he's like, yeah, we're good. He's like, okay, then I'll see you when you get back. Yeah. He's like, I'll take responsibility for it. And okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Solid episode. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Cisco would be different if it was on a ship? I feel like he has a lot more autonomy being out on a station that far 
away instead of being on like a ship where everything's necessarily mm. reported and recorded and stuff like that. Just the fact that it was previously Cardassian means they don't have like the same control over the systems to know what he's doing. So he just gets a lot more play. Like sure. area to that that gray area we keep talking about to be in. And I could see Janeway being the same way. She's flung out to the middle of the, the Delta Quadrant. She can kind of do whatever she has to and then justify it later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and she kind of does. I'm, I'm yeah, sure I think does. yeah. The difference with like what's interesting is the difference between them is like um like Cisco is much more willing to play with the the gray and sort of exist in that sort of like liminal space of of like the rules, whereas Janeway kind of takes a converse course as a captain. Where she's like because she is so far away, she's like doubles down on Starfleet uh, yeah. identity. It's like it's like Starfleet rule. We're gonna follow these rules to the letter because it's the only thing we have yeah. to hold on to right this now. This is our identity. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to Cisco is much more like I'm willing to play in the gray a little bit more because I'm I'm in this space. Cisco's like plug it. Yeah, exactly. Actually, kind of want to add. I want to add that to my. I want to make a note for my video on that. That's a good uh, comparison. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean he 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 does get a lot of leeway. I mean because he's dealing with the Cardassians, the Bajorans, and 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 he's pretty far out there, um, like distance wise from the Federation and and dealing with all that. So he doesn't have as much like a bureaucracy and crap that he has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's making the rules as you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts from anybody on this episode? Liked, didn't like it? No, no I think it's, it's, a, I think it's, it's a good a, episode. I think it's a really great episode, and I think it's one that like the, the I guess the only other thing I would say about the episode is like this is why I really like Deep Space Nine's like how it builds its universe. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you get this little piece of the Gem Hadar and it gives you like a piece of the puzzle. But even mm-hmm. like a lot of the things that we've been discussing, I'm kind of like, I want to like talk about how it connects with like later stuff. But I've yeah. been pulling back to just talk about this episode. It's just like one of those fun things about like TV shows like this, about like how it how it unveils its its lore um, in, in a really interesting way. And also like kind of the fun of TV shows. I kind of miss the the era of TV and we're starting to get back to it a little bit. But like the era of TV shows were like, you kind of were like winging it on the fly and figuring it out as you go and like, and be like, Oh, this connects to that. As opposed to a lot of TV shows today is like, we need to have all of our lore set at the beginning and have it all planned out. And then if it, if it's stupid, then we're kind of stuck with it. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's the difference though. Cause now TV, the way it is and streaming and everything, you get 10 to 12 episode seasons. Mm -hmm. Whereas back in these days, you had 24 episodes at least per season to deal with. And Mm -hmm. so you had more time. So it's like now you really have to hit the ground running and develop your 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 foundation really fast, your lore, your Mm -hmm. your backgrounds for all these characters, just because you don't have the time to flesh it all out like you used to back in the day when you had 24, 26 episode seasons. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that they're so keen on converting like book series to TV or movies or stuff now because they're like it's already built, it's been done, it's in, mm-hmm. it's, it's know, popular, it so we know people yeah. like it. So yeah. like. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just started watching Silo that's based on the Wool series. How is that, by and the it, way? It was oh my gosh, it's so good. Okay, I've been ex- I've been wanting to watch, but I've I've been I've been holding off until I've like heard some definitive stuff on it. So. Yeah, and they they kind of actually expand on some of the stuff the book talks about and and it gives you more information than the books ever did. Yeah. And, and Hugh Howie is one of the producers on it. Okay, cool. So he's actually yeah. there. Yeah. And has a say in it. So that's always, that's, that's always, always helpful thing. though. Not yeah. always defining uh, <laughs> game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but Silo is super good. I like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think that's that, that's something I I like too is about um well, so because you, so you kind of have this this overarching story of the Dominion War and it's there but it's not every story. It's mm-hmm. not like you know, you can have this subplot of Jake dating. But then of course, you know, Cisco's not, you know, in a space battle. So you, so you can have the storyline, but you can also tie in these other things that pertain to the main storyline and, and the plot and build it and, and build these characters up. Um, but it kind of gives you like a little bit different flavor of the week. And I, yeah. I like that. I, I like having that change and it just, it keeps that, that tease going of like, okay, this is happening. And then this is happening. And then like, Oh, when are they going to attack? What's going to happen then? And it's, it's not all kind of everything at once. It's why it's my favorite type of like, obviously I like every type of story. Cause I think every type of story can, can accommodate uh, every can, can be excellent in its own right. Sure. Um, but I think it is just like a general rule for television. I kind of like this format more where it's like what I call like loose serialization, where it's mm. like, you still have episodic stories that allows you to have beginning, middle and end and feel satisfied. Um, but you're still also like building out lore. You're telling a sort of larger background thing. And every once in a while, like an episode, every, you know, four or five, six episodes will be like the big one about advancing the larger story. But then yeah. you do get the flavor mm-hmm. of the week's ones. Whereas opposed to today, whereas like, you know, as much as I liked, I, I really like Star Trek Discovery. Less mm-hmm. so on Picard, but I really like Discovery. Um, but it's a messy show. And I think part of the reason it's messy is that every episode kind of has to adhere to the season long story. And it doesn't really get a chance to like explore a little bit. And have yeah. and have fun being like episodic. It's like no, every episode has to advance the plot, you know. Yeah. And it's very intense, and it's yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on that you're trying to mm-hmm. jam in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's it's that same kind of like you know supernatural vibe where like there's there's a big big bad for the whole season, but then mm-hmm. we're gonna have these like smaller episodes where you still fight vampires and shit. But yeah. it, but it yeah. but it teases the overall stuff. Exactly, yeah. like the the Buffy, you know, Joss Whedon yeah. aside, but like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibe, like a you know, Joss yeah. Whedon's crap, but I still like love a lot of what Buffy does for storytelling, and that's for this specific reason, the same as Deep Space Nine. Like, sure, yeah, I miss I miss this era of storytelling. Like the only, the only sadly the only place I really saw that still continuing was like the the DC Arrowverse stuff on the CW, and that got very tropey very quickly because uh, for a while. So, mm. yeah, I because I'm I'm a big. Uh, flash fan and as, as yeah, I live, knows, yeah, yeah. but it's but i i think i stopped watching that show after like season four i was just like eh, i'm good the same thing i watched every year <laughs> i literally watched every arrowverse show until like i might finish it now because the flash is ending or whatever but um yeah. i watched every single one but then it just got to be like all right how many times are we gonna go and talk in a corridor about our feelings and then and then you know, <laughs> you know? Damn uh, yeah no fine we're talking about feelings but it's like they always yeah. are like some misunderstanding that they go to the corridor and talk about um but uh yeah. But yeah, no, it's like that, that side, like not, there are some of those shows here and there, but I think generally because of like the shortened seasons and the need to have everything be like kind of blockbustery and, and like prestige, you, mm-hmm. you lose out on some of these more um, kind of fun, I think more interesting sort of middle grade shows that I think uh, can, can play a little bit more with the structure and storytelling. So, yeah. And I think it'd be interesting. I think it might let the, the actors kind of branch out a little bit, be like, Hey, this is all, this is all character driven. There's no space Mm -hmm. battles. It's just you guys talking, but I think that might give more for the actors to kind of work on too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think the closest we get like strange new worlds and prodigy uh, and uh, kind of closest to that. And lower decks is even more episodic than, than, than the red, than those two. But like, um, Prodigy, I think Strange New Worlds kind of have that like loose serialization vibe of of this older track. So. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. 
Uh, cool. Yeah, no, this is a solid episode. Go, go watch it. I think I'm going to say that about every freaking DS9 episode. Just, mm-hmm. just go watch it. Yeah, pretty it's much worth now. it. Yeah. It's definitely um, move along home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that episode. You know what's uh, funny is because when when we were on the cruise, um, one of the bars was like a DS9 theme, and they would show the like same five episodes of DS9 over and mm-hmm. over again, and that and that was one of them. God. Yeah. So That's we'd be fun. sitting there playing magic and drinking and just like, oh, let's fucking move along home again. <laughs> that's kind of fun, though. I feel like I get I, I feel like I could vibe drunkenly to move along. home. Like it's like, oh, that's like get drunk. Get, yeah, 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 get drunk and enjoy it. Like I, I'm actually one of those fans that I like threshold and move along home. Uh, uh, those are ones that I don't actually hate. I kind of like enjoy them for how like weird they are. The only episode that I really am like that episode can go fuck itself is Code of Honor. That's the only that's literally the only starting oh. episode. I'm like that one can just just be <laughs> that, forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That TNG one. Yeah. That's a whole yeah, yeah. other thing. Yeah. 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 Fair point. Fair point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So that's kind of it for this episode. Um, uh, Jesse, where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me online at Jesse Gender, which is uh, my YouTube channel name, uh, where I do sort of analysis of uh, social and political and LGBTQ and trans issues through nerddoms and geekdoms quite often. Uh, so if you're a big Star Trek fan, I have several videos like my uh, uh, probably if you're looking for a fun little entry one, I do uh, explaining. It's called Explaining Star Trek as Simply as Possible, where I get a whiteboard and I try to explain the timeline of Star Trek for two hours and slowly go mad in the process. It's, a, <laughs> it's really, really, it's it's really, really, it's a very comedic video and I try to be very fun and funny with it. Um, and I have a bunch of other Star Trek analyses videos. Like I did a, like a history of sex and sexuality in Star Trek and talking about like Gene Rodden very specifically and how he was like very, uh, wanted to discuss a very open history of sex in Star Trek, but um, often fell into a lot of problematic tropes through doing so and talking about queerness and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are videos there for you. Um, I am on Nebula, as I talked about earlier. I have um, I have another podcast I forgot to mention last time I was on called Jumpgate, um, whereas I do a rewatch of uh, every episode of uh, Babylon 5 with my friend Vera Wilde, who has never seen it, uh, nice. who's a fellow creator of mine. And it's a, it's a lot of fun and unfortunately a very prescient show because that is also a show about fascism rising in a, in a democratic, uh, democratic institution. So it's sort of like, well... A lot of this feels very relevant to what's happening today. <laughs> God damn it. So yeah, Welcome yeah. To Runaway, is, that was Again. yeah, so yeah, exactly. So uh, great show, sadly relevant, uh, but a, a hopefully a fun podcast. So that's, that's basically where you can find me. Cool. Awesome. Cool. And, and thank you for joining us. You are always welcome back. So if you ever, yeah, want to you know mm-hmm. punish yourself again and come back you are more <laughs> more than welcome no this was absolutely great yeah if you ever want to have me i would i would absolutely love it so feel free to ask so thank you deal absolutely cool it's not while i'm filming because i'm in the coming months i'm sure my schedule will be quite full but yeah, after that's that true. please have me back whenever so yeah of course absolutely <laughs> um awesome well david why don't you do our spiel Alrighty, I find out what's your nerd trek at thenerdtrek.com, where we got links to our social media sites. You can look at us looking back at you if you should so desire. You can buy some of our stuff at Bonfire, mostly t-shirts. And whenever you are done raising your adopted son, which, let's admit it, is a week away from Star Wars, uh, you can give a five-star <laughs> rating and review, and we'll read that out over the air. Oh, hello there. So he was awesome. the chosen one? He's going to bring balance to the force. That's what you're saying. You were the chosen one. <laughs> a weak way. A weak way. Oh. Wait, what's that? 
don't know what that it's, is. It's lost on you people. I, All the Star Wars fans out there will know. Okay. At least we don't. If you, if you ever get tired of these folks, we can go and listen to some jizz music. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. It's the best thing about Star Wars. You do know what I'm talking about, David. I hope everyone. No, I don't. I've never. Heard <gasps> you know that, you know I know this. Other. Yeah, you know the Cantina Band music that that that, yeah. that, 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 that that has an official that type of music has an official name and it's called jizz. Yeah. That is the official name for that type of music oh, in the Star Wars, inside the Star Wars universe. I don't know how to process that. No. Okay, so a week away. <laughs> He's just ignoring the jizz. I'm, I'm going past that. Yes, I'm definitely going to skip right over that. I'm just saying, George Lucas had a vision, and he expressed uh, it the way he wanted to. Yeah, yeah he did. It's canon. It is. <laughs> it is canon. So a week away, do you remember the in Return of the Jedi when they're at Jabba's palace, there's all those creatures that look like this Jem Hadar guy. They're scaly, and they've got the little spikes on the side of their yeah, heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they're usually holding vibro axes. They're kind of like his enforcers. Those are called Weequay, and they look uh, exactly like this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You kinda, the yeah. moment he came on, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm looking at. I can, <laughs> totally, I can totally see that. Yeah. Well, now I need to think about that. Listen to some jizz. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Anyway, and while you're there, go listen to Nerd Trek Movie Club or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I love it so much. I'm sorry. It's great. That is fantastic, dude. That was awesome. <laughs> David, I do my best. I'm glad that'll be my ending My ending note. <laughs> I need to go Perfect. home and rethink my life. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right. That is it for us, everyone. Thank you for, for listening. Uh, we do appreciate it. And we will catch you, you on the next one. Sorry for listening. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Uh.